It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny Lurie, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. My original plan for this episode, considering the off day between the Miami game and the Detroit game, was to do an email bag or a Reddit mail bag, one of the two. And as I was putting together the bank of emailed questions that I have, and this will answer some of them, but other things will, will be answered in time, the overwhelming question that I got in that, and I've gotten this on Twitter a lot, is what's up with Stephen Curry? What's wrong with Stephen Curry? Things like that. And Well, tonight was not the greatest time in terms of the amount of time that I had to research it. It ended up being something I wanted to do and took the time to. And so what I I did basically is I went through a lot of different kind of statistical things, especially in terms of shooting, but overall scoring, and compared this year for Stephen Curry with the other years that we had available data. So for the pure shooting stats... I I compared it to the two MVP seasons, and then one thing that has been pointed out by a couple different people is that there are some parallels between what we've seen so far this year and the first half of his first MVP year. I couldn't get the timelines exactly right, but I was able to to get something from the All-Star break. So the pre-All-Star break is, is a relatively close facsimile. And one thing I'm proud of with this is that it's all publicly available information. There's nothing proprietary in here. Everything that's used is either from the NBA stats site, basketball reference, actually just those two sources. And so there's nothing nothing breaking the atom here, but I did want to go through it and provide my own insight as somebody who's covered the team this entire time and who's watched a ludicrous amount of Steph Curry to, to kind of go through it. And where I wanted to start is probably surprising, and that's what is similar. And broadly speaking, Stephen Curry as a catch-and-shoot player has been substantially similar to the last couple seasons. So on catch and shoot threes, his volume is about the same. Right now he's making 2.4 per game on 4.9 attempts. Last year that was 2.2 of 4.6. So that's similar in percentages and it's similar in frequency. He's actually, but what's interesting and this will tie in with something I talk about a little bit later is that he's actually shooting a higher proportion of his shots as catch and shoot, which is undeniably a good thing generally speaking like if you were to keep proportion equal it's it's a good thing because like anybody else Kevin Steph Curry is a better catch and shoot guy than coming off pull-ups so they're harder shots generally and catch and shoots are easier you're 
getting a clean look generally your better chance that your feet are set and everything like that so as a fundamental that is is a positive and so as i said you know right in line but actually slightly better than the last two seasons there's two mvp seasons and there is a, a somewhat similar story when you go into elements of his synergy stats. So in transition, those stats we only have for two years. So his unanimous MVP season 2015-16 in this year. In transition, he is very efficient, 1.23 points per possession. That is ex- almost exactly the same, down to the hundredth of a, of a point per possession to last season where he was 1.22. And he isn't quite the same player they classified in terms of spot ups. It gets complicated with synergy because of elements like coming off screens and everything else like that. Spot ups, he's fallen from 1.49 per possession to 1.3, which is a pretty big drop. But a lot of that is also just because 1.49 is completely, completely ridiculous. And he's actually shooting a higher proportion of his possessions that way. So he's making up some of the decrease in efficiency with an increase in volume of an efficient way of scoring. So not that big a deal. And there are upticks in shooting off screens and handoffs, which are similar in ways that I'm not as as concerned with that. And also one of the most surprising of these splits for people watching is that Curry has been more effective as an isolation scorer this year than last year. It's close. And he's doing it less frequently, which is a good thing. You want fewer isolations than than more because it's one of the least efficient shots in basketball, even for somebody who's good at it. So he went from 1.07 per possession to 1.12. So that's not a huge change. And again, that that's very similar. So going through all of the data I did, and I, I, I cast a wide net. I wanted to go through a lot of different things to see what was the same, what was different, what we could draw from it. And... If you've noticed, there's one very specific thing that was not mentioned in these areas that were the same, and that is pull-ups. And the pull-up three was a Steph Curry hallmark in both of his MVP seasons, but especially last year. And he is so much better at his best than anybody else at that. It was a big part of how his value was derived. And this year, in terms of frequency, he's pretty closely in line with... 14-15 14-15 his first MVP season and even and pretty closely in line also with that year but the first half. So in both of those times he was in the low fours in attempts per game 4.3 4.2 now he's at 4.5 and that's pretty close. You know it's in terms of percentage of his shots it's 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 about even the so when you look at that you go okay you know, it's not the same as last year. Last year, he had 6.4 pull-up three attempts per game. So that's almost two more per game than he has even this year, which was slightly higher than the other years. So if we treat that as the aberration, then we go back down to, okay, well, so the frequency is about the same. What's different? And the difference is the amount of them that he is making. So he went from 1.8, 1.7 in that, in that year, depending on what sample we're using, down to 1.3. That might not sound like a big difference. And, you know, half a three a game isn't that much if you look at it in just kind of in total. However, as a percentage, it's huge because he goes from being about a 42% shooter on pull-up threes, which is insane, to 29.3% this year, which is 
not great. You know, that that's not something that is particularly special. And when the volume is the same, then you're dealing with the issue of, okay, well, so, so what do we want to do with this? Is it a, is it something that will persist? Is it something that won't? And I think he's been more comfortable doing these in the more recent time. I didn't want to parse the splits for this year more narrowly, like looking at the last 10 games or something like that, because once you start slicing a pie that thin, you start to let any single hot stretch or cold stretch dominate the data. So I didn't want to cut the pie any narrower now. Once we get a larger sample, if I come back to this in, let's say, the all-star break or three-quarter point in the season, maybe then I can start to cut it a little bit thinner and say, okay, well, how's he doing during this stretch or something else? But the Warriors aren't even at the halfway point yet. So even when we're comparing it to the all-star game, to the the all-star break season, 14-15, where his numbers are still substantially worse in pull-ups, do that. And so one of the exercises that I wanted to do was, okay, what what does this really mean? Like, what it, what is the significance of this? And so what I did was I extrapolated out Curry's current percentage on that partial season sample from 2014-15, his first MVP year. And in that stretch before the All-Star game, he took 213 pull-up threes, and he made 86 of them. That led to the 40.4% that he shot on those. If you were to take his current percentage and apply it to that year, that 86 goes down to 62 and a half. That's a pretty big drop off. You know, that's, that's not anything you want to joke about. That's more than, well, it's almost exactly a three a game. And that's a lot. And when you're shooting the same volume, it, it, it does matter. And so I thought that was a, a better way of kind of thinking about what this difference is, is it's a little less than a three a game with the same volume. And that's big. You know, it's, it's, it's a big thing to think about. And also Curry is doing worse though not to the same degree, the gap is closer, on pull-up twos as well. So last year and the year before that, he was in the mid-40s, 47.9, 45.7, and this year he's at 39.8, so a little bit below 40%. And the frequency is between the two seasons, like a lot of these other things, away from the aberration of last season and closer to two years ago, but still kind of in that line. And the other thing to think about with these pull-ups is that the quality of looks isn't from what I can tell at least isn't substantially different it's not like these are tougher by virtue of opponents or how they're playing him or anything like that it's just that they're not going in and something that speaks to that that I wanted to look into was actually two different elements one was okay how many of these are in the very late clock because Oftentimes, very late clock shots, so the NBA defines that as in the last four seconds of the shot clock, those are often just bad looks. And so if he's if he was shooting a lot more of those, then maybe that's providing a little bit of bias in the sample, especially considering they haven't played as many games. That is not biasing the sample. His proportion of very late clock shots is almost exactly unchanged. It's around 3% of his shots when you separate it out by sh- by shot clock and you know all that kind of stuff. It's about 3%. Each time it, it ends up being a half a three a game. He is doing a lot worse on those. So the last two years, it was 52.5%, 43.2%, and he's only making 19% of them this year. But we're dealing with such a small sample that Uh, That can be a couple of threes to really make that difference. I said before, you know, when we were talking about the the pull up threes, that it was a difference of 20. I didn't run the numbers on this, but considering it goes, you're going from 
four threes a game to half a three a game, it's not going to be a, a severe difference dealing with something, you know, having a, a couple nice shots against the Pistons can probably swing that. So that's not the answer. Then I wanted to look at, well, our, our team's just defending him better. And the, they do a, the NBA does a cool thing now with the shots dashboard, which is a part of player tracking. And they can, they can map out player shots based on the closest defender. And here you want to look at two different things like we have for a couple of these. One is frequency because frequency is, okay, how do these proportions fit next to one another? Is he shooting more open shots? Is he shooting more contested shots? And then the other part is how well is he shooting on these looks themselves? And the biggest takeaway from that analysis is that it's not making that big of a difference. He's actually getting cleaner looks in terms of opponent distance this year than in other years. That should not be surprising considering he's shooting a higher proportion as catch and shoot, generally catch and shoots. You can have a little bit more space, especially when you can be selective like he can and is a great off-ball player. And because the Warriors have more offensive talent than in prior years, they are playing Draymond at center fairly frequently. They have replaced Harrison Barnes with Kevin Durant. And also they have replaced Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili with Zaza Pachulia, JaVale McGee, David West. Broadly speaking, those players are more talented offensively and also provide more spacing because they're whatever you want to say in terms of passing, they're better shooters except for JaVale, but JaVale Festus is, it's not really a wash. It's just, they're both not good. So by proportion, in terms of tight defense, so that's the, the narrowest group other than very tight, which for three point shots, there just aren't enough to really consider that sample. Those are in the range of about 13 to 14%. And he actually shot more tightly contested threes last season than his first MVP year. And this year he's in line with the first MVP year. It's 12.6% that year, 12.9% this year. However, he is shooting substantially worse on those. That's actually the greatest disparity of any of the groups. 43.7% two years ago, 40% last year, 295 this year. So he's really struggling on those shots so far, whether that is the nature of the contest itself or just dealing with a small sample size and then he's missing more overall. I don't feel comfortable saying that we know yet, but it is interesting. Then why, why this is not you know, not the big answer is because of the frequencies outside of that. So open threes is the next tier. That's I believe four to six feet of space. He is shooting between the two years. So he is at fewer open shots, open threes than last year, more than two years ago. And he is making fewer of them about 5% less than his MVP season. So again, a drop off from from those years and it was an astonishing 49 and a half percent on those last year when he won the unanimous MVP and then wide open threes he's shooting an even higher frequency of them than either of the last two years he was his previous high water mark in those in that time was 15.2 percent in 14 15 he's now up to 15.4 percent and on those shots he's killing it he's shooting 48.6 percent more in line with that crazy open number from last year and better than he did in 1516 and 1415. So that part of the equation is going fine. He's shooting more of the higher proportion of them, making a higher proportion of them. So it, it, if you want to do it on opponent distance, which I would not, you could say, okay, well, that group is fine. Open ones are a little bit, open ones are worse. The tight, tight defense ones are worse. And that's a part of it. But again, I don't, I think that's more symptoms than cause. And the other big way of thinking about the issue that is present here is the biggest drop-off in synergy is 
as a pick and roll ball handler. So last season, he averaged 1.1 points per possession as the scorer on a pick and roll ball hand on pick and roll where he's the ball handler. So could be a Curry Draymond, could be Curry Bogut, whatever you want to say. And these are a really large proportion. It's almost a quarter of the shots that he took, actually more than a quarter last year, 26.2% of, of his of his play plays that were run there because it also I, I believe it includes some degree of turnovers were that way first of all that frequency has dropped this is not a surprise to people who've watched the Warriors they're they're running less pick and roll they're running less curry involved pick and roll that has dropped from 26.2 to 22.4 percent of his shots in proportion and his effectiveness on them has fallen off a cliff it went from 1.11 to 0.69 that is incredibly inefficient I mean it's it's inefficient broadly speaking for that area and it's inefficient relative to to basically anything else he does last year he was better as a pick and roll ball handler than isolation that makes sense because generally speaking you're creating some sort of space that that's the idea of a pick and roll is that you're creating a seam you're creating space isolation it's one-on-one that's basically what you get when you don't have a screen in the first place and so he was a little bit better in that way and pick and roll ball handling was close to handoffs was you know, moderately close to cutting, though that's a little bit better. And this year, he's less effective as a pick and roll ball handler than any of these other major groups. I went through everything where Curry has at least 5% of his shots and pick and roll ball handling is by far the worst. And it's also fascinating, and this could get into the classification issue with Synergy, that he's been more efficient on handoffs was something that was a big element. I talked about this on the podcast about Tuesday's game against the Heat that he was getting all these good looks and in that game was actually missing them. He was one for seven on a lot of those plays were handoffs or things of that nature. But the reason I said the classification issue is that for the synergy is, as I understand it, and I'm pretty confident I'm right in this, they're separated by hand. Like it's, it's, you know, a person looking at it and identifying the play. And some of these can run a little bit together. When I did the Kevin Durant as a scorer piece in podcast, I talked about how this can sometimes get complicated in terms of isolations and post-ups. That isn't as much of an issue for Curry because he doesn't do isolation post-ups. He does isos, but he doesn't really post up ever. So that isn't a distinction. However, pick and roll handoff certainly is. And it's intriguing that while his spot-up number dropped a little bit, his percent, his uh, effectiveness coming off screens went up a little bit and his frequency went up a little bit. So it also could be that some of that classification, because spotting up and coming off a screen, again, it can be a little bit fuzzy. Maybe some of it is going in that direction versus the other. And that's why I look at pick and roll ball handling, because even though it can be classified as a handoff or something else, the difference is so stark that there has to be a little bit of smoke there. We don't know how much smoke, but certainly a little bit. And... And the other area that I I looked into and was very interested because I knew at some point in Curry's career, he had dramatically improved in terms of his scoring around the rim. And that was not only in terms of frequency, but also in terms of effectiveness. And as it turned out, that jump happened his first MVP year. I thought it was a year later, but it was his first MVP year. He had never made more than 62.5% of his shots from zero to three feet, which is pretty much the restricted area before 2014, 15. And in that time he stayed pretty similar. So he was 68.7 first MVP, 69.6 second MVP, 67.1 this year. So small drop, not that significant. And he also has increased 
from that first season, he's increased his proportion of attempts. Then in the first MVP year, it was a little under 20%, 18.6, jumped up to 22.5, which is a lot last year. And it stayed closer to that 21.5 this year. So that is not a big culprit in his drop in efficiency. It's more the pull-up shooting and everything else. And it was a really fun exercise to to look at this. And there's a lot more that needs to be gone into. And what I want to do from here is ideally use that to go through some film and look at pick how he shoots out of pick and rolls and look at how he shoots in these pull-up situations, ideally some in pick and roll, some outside of it, to see whether it's a mechanical issue, whether it is a comfort issue or something else. And a point that has been brought up before and needs to be repeated again is that Curry's best season, his MVP season, came in one of the few years where he really got to spend the summer working on his game. He wasn't recovering from any injury, didn't have any foreign basketball playing obligations because that actually happened before his first MVP season and then would have happened last year if he hadn't had the MCL sprain and everything else. That was also part of the story about why he could have been struggling, why he struggled a little bit comparatively at the beginning of the MVP year and could be this year. That is a, a valid explanation for what could be happening here is that he didn't get that level of comfort. Also, they're dealing with a bigger adjustment in terms of personnel this year than they have recently. I would say that adding Durant in in some ways based on what Curry's doing is a bigger adjustment than Kerr because Kerr's offense really opened things up for Curry and dealing with an opening up when you're a talented shooter can be easier than dealing with a constriction alteration. And while Kevin Durant will eventually make the Warriors and arguably already has made the Warriors a better overall offensive team, it does make life harder on Stephen Curry. And while we focused on Clay Thompson potentially sacrificing and Draymond Green, the ball simply not being in Steph Curry's hands as much is another part of the story. And that was something I looked into as well. His front court touches have dropped pretty significantly. So first MVP year, 70, second MVP year, 72.1, and this year down to 64.4. That's just having the ball less times in his hand. His time of possession is shorter as well. Second Seconds per touch is also shorter, which reflects the idea that he is doing more catching and shooting. That's something I talked about early on in this in terms of the numbers. And his points per touch, this I found interesting, is actually between the two years. It's better than it was his first MVP year, worse than it was his second. So he has been a slightly different player this year in terms of usage. He's been a little bit more off ball, a little bit more catch and shoot. That would be fine. There is there's nothing wrong with that in most circumstances. However, when a player is one of the best pull-up shooters of all time and is better at that shot than just about anybody else who's ever played the game, if he was doing those at that level, the level that he had, had set forth the last two years, it provides a different kind of value. And if he can get back to that, it will open up a whole lot more in the Warriors' offense just because it changes the way that teams have to defend it. However, the Warriors are consistently benefiting from Curry having that threat because respect for shooters is always and will always be a lagging indicator. You think about what has happened. A player just subjectively is going to think about what has happened to them in the past, and that means that it will always be a little bit behind what somebody is doing now. Sometimes that is an advantage for the shooter, because that can, if a guy has a lagging indicator and he got better as a shooter, sometimes he gets more space, can make more jump shots, and it can be a benefit for the shooter if the reputation outlasts their usefulness, which 
I don't think is the case with Curry, but it could be. I think back to Drew Gooden, where teams thought he could shoot for like three years after he could actually shoot. And as long as you're pulling your defender out and you're willing to take the shot, it provides value. And you'd rather have the person be able to take and make it, but they're, you're still hurting the defense. You're still forcing them to make hard choices either way. So at the bare minimum, Curry can be in a very effective decoy in those circumstances, but he should be a whole heck of a lot more than that. So if there are any of you who going through all this was a little bit confusing, was anything like that, I'm going to try to put this whole thing on The Athletic. I'm not going to put any editorializing on it, partially because I want to get it out in in time so that people can have this. It's just going to be the pure numbers. And since nothing is proprietary, I feel totally comfortable putting that out there. And I will presumably update this at some point, maybe multiple points during the year to see how he's progressing. And since I already have the numbers already done for the first two seasons, it'll be, I mean, for the last two seasons, it'll be pretty easy to just incorporate the new numbers as they come in. So if you guys enjoy this, let me know because it's it's actually a lot easier to generate future iterations of this than it was to do the first one. And it wasn't that hard to do this. So I, I can't say it was, it was that brutal or anything like that. But it gives me the most important thing for me is it gives me things to look at moving forward to see whether these numbers, the ones that are off pace are aberrations or whether that's something that we have to calibrate to and whether the numbers that are pretty consistent, the catch and shoot, some of the isolation numbers, whether those hold. Because if those hold too, then maybe we look at this a little bit differently. And I haven't pieced together in my own brain how I wanted how how to process all that, partially because I just want more data to come in and by the all-star break maybe we'll have a better sense of that. So appreciate all of you who took the time to listen to this. I'm sure it was dry as all get out, but it's a podcast, so even if I had a lot of video, it would still be hard. I would be talking to you about narrating it. If you have any feedback, good, bad, and different, I really do appreciate it. And as I said, I'm working on an email bag. I, I'm now compiling the questions in a massive Google Doc and we'll handle those at various moments. People have said before that I can do some just as a part of other episodes. I might start doing that. It'll just depend on timing. Feedback, NBA at gmail.com. Really do appreciate that. Also, at DanyLaRue on Twitter. I prefer email because it, it stays there and I won't miss it. But if it's something fleeting and maybe maybe that's what you want, you can do it that way. And if you want to support the show, you can leave a rating, leave a review, and you can also subscribe and download every episode. Really do appreciate that. It, it certainly helps. And if you use iTunes for all this stuff, it's great. But if you don't, totally fine. Whatever whatever works for you. And definitely check out The Athletic. A large portion of my material at the moment, considering the way the site's working, they're doing unbelievable work in Chicago and Toronto. You should definitely check that out as well. But a lot of my pieces are actually free there. So I don't want people to get intimidated by the paywall necessarily. And this piece I'm going to make sure is going to be free. So it's just going to be a bunch of numbers. So if you want to take a look at that, it'll I'll probably list it as a companion. I might not put it in my Twitter feed as heavily because I want people to listen to the podcast, at least at the beginning, but I'll definitely have it up there. You can check. It's theathletic.com slash SFBA, I believe. Should also be easy to find the athletics, everything on everything on the site through my Twitter profile, through everything else, and you can check it out. So you should do that. Also, you can read a lot of my old work and and everything else. So appreciate you taking the time to go through this. Gave me a lot to look forward to and to watch as, as we move through this. And take care. Make it a great day. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked on Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. 
Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.